listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And I'm Evie. And you're all listening to NGE in the morning. <laughs> 274 NGE FM, because apparently our spicy takes are now what is uh, marketable on FM radio. And I wasn't expecting to have Puff Radio hosts doing essentially what we do to an audience of comparable size, I think. Um, yeah. But here we are. Scott Morrison is so fucking shit at even pretending to do a job that we have radio hosts all around the nation just grilling him, but not dropping radio voice, which is the funniest thing to me. You know, I've made this joke in an episode before that, like, if we were FM hosts, it'd be me standing in the background, like, folding my arms and shaking my head while you guys get up to shenanigans. But now I'm, like, thinking more and more we should actually do that photo because I feel like it would be really good and just, like, we can be FM hosts, right? Yeah. We, we check all the boxes. Yep. No, we we tick we tick all the boxes, and we're so fucking good looking that that's that, I mean, that's the main reason you get hired to be an mm. FM host. But in case you missed it, um, Scott Morrison was elected prime minister a few years ago, oh. and <laughs> since then, down. Yeah. <laughs> but recently, um, like through the last week, he's been doing more PR runs and trying to appear on radio all around the nation, and th- these hosts on places like Kiss FM are saying, "Hey, mate." The vaccine rollout seems pretty shit and no one ever seems to take responsibility in your cabinet for fucking anything. Could could we could we just get an apology? Can you just you know what? Can you just say sorry, Jace? It'll make me feel so much better and then I feel like I can move on. Hey, what? Well, what, what, what we're doing is fixing the problems and getting on with it. And yeah. that's what we have to do. Just and uh, sorry, we've had Jace. our problems. There's no doubt about that. And they're, and they're problems that aren't always things within our control. That's the nature of COVID-19. Scott, I'd even I'd even take a, my bad, Jace. Just, a, just a, my bad, Jace. We're moving We're on. fixing the problems and getting on with it, guys. Oh, that's what people need. We need to put the economic it. supports in place. Could we just get a little small... Could, could you just say... Just a crumb of I'm an apology. sorry. Just a crumb. <laughs> and he spent... A good part of the week that was just going, oh, we do take responsibility, but Australia wants us to work and and fix it. And they keep hammering him. And this is some of the best journalism I've heard in a fucking long time. But unfortunately, one, it's wasted on getting a man with no soul to apologise. And two, it's wasted on something shit like an apology from a politician. But I guess I'll I'll take fucking, I don't know, Marco or whoever it is going, oh, Scott Morrison, do, do, do you reckon we can get, get uh, just, a, just a sorry, mate? <laughs> I got one for you. What what does this spell? S-O-R-R-Y. Jason. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Well, PJ, I mean, you'd know across the dish. I just think it's really funny that for someone who does like, has the like the whole guy from marketing approach that his team, I assume that he is not specifically going out to radio stations himself and saying, hey, do you want an interview? But his his <laughs> social, like, you know, his marketing team, his promotions like team that does all these media appearances and that sort of thing, didn't think for a second to like, get a feel for what the general vibe is in the community <laughs> at the moment to say, yeah. oh, maybe maybe our usual places where we go for like a really nice puff piece interview aren't going to feel so good about it right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he doesn't attract the best talent. And then he was appearing everywhere. He went on um, Triple M. He also went on Hack, which was super weird to mm. have like a Triple J host do honestly one of the best interviews with him that I've heard from... 
a lot of people. I just this is you know under forties are uh, finally sick of everyone's shit. Yeah, and they are not treating it like fucking David Spears on Inside. Oh, Mister Mister Prime Minister, the, the on <laughs> like Hack and Triple M and Kiss. They kept interrupting him as well, which was great because people are now very aware that politicians will just fucking waffle over fucking oh, questions, yeah. and they just kept going. No, can you take some responsibility? Can you fucking for once? Takes some goddamn responsibility. And so on Thursday, just gone, he did finally apologize. And it was as equivocating and it was as (laughs) blame shifting as you can imagine. I take responsibility for the vaccination program. Um, I also take responsibility for the challenges we've had. Obviously, some things within our control, some things that are not. And uh, I'm... I'm keen to ensure, as we have been over these many months, that we've been turning this around. I'm certainly sorry that we haven't been able to achieve the marks that we had hoped for at the beginning of this year. Of course I am. Uh, But what's more important is that we're totally focused on ensuring that we've been turning this around. It it is an apology in the same way that I'm sorry for your loss is an apology. Yeah, I'd say he pretended to apologise. Also, like... (laughs) Even if they do apologise, like, look, I'm glad that normie radio hosts are getting to this point where they're sick of this shit. But also, I, you know, in in a society where we're really at the point where right wing people have realised they can just do stuff and not ever have to face any repercussions, Mm. I'm not really sure what an apology is meant to do because he's he's not sorry. There's not going to be any amends. Um, He is probably going to win the next election. Even if he gets rolled within his own party, we'll just get another competent fascist. So what's the point? It's the it's the sort of thing of like a good apology has these core components of like an admission of fault, a a, a promise not to do the same thing again, a resignation from the office of prime minister, <laughs> and a death. You know, like <laughs> it's primary school stuff. Don't say sorry, just don't do it. <laughs> but I I am loving the fact that everyone is sick to the fucking back teeth of this guy to the point that radio hosts that normally would spend their time talking about a meme from 2010 are like. Like, what's with the fucking vaccine rollout? You're doing a shit job. And I think what you all said before about Hack doing a great job and David Spears doing a shitty job kind of goes to show, I think the only people who should be interviewing politicians are the ones who don't own investment properties. Yeah. Are the ones who are (laughs) actually affected by the shitty decisions they make. Because if I'm there and I'm already chums with him and I'm already going to the journalist ball, I'm not representing you. Yeah, it should yeah. be it should be a honeypot where you send out these envi- invitations to journalists like to the midwinter ball where they get to like um, rub elbows with politicians from both sides of the party. And if they go to it, they're not allowed to do journalism ever again. They fuck yeah. it. And then they just move into politics, which is what they all want to do anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's just once you've had one cordial conversation with a politician... You're, you're out. You're not allowed anymore. <laughs> because there's a lot of people. It's fine to put that level of filtering on it because that filters out shitloads. It even filters out me. I've had a cordial conversation with a politician and I think that makes me permanently disqualified from commenting on this. Sort of <laughs> well, I was going to yeah. say, it, sh- it should bar you from being a journalist. Come over to podcasting, McLean, where the, where the standards <laughs> are bog low. They do not matter. Barnaby Joyce has a podcast. Like, really? Fuck, does he? Yeah. What could he no. possibly talk about? What could he talk oh, about? Oh, the weatherboard and iron. It's, it's friggin', it's him and bloody no. Matt Canavan. Oh. Oh. 
Oh, fuck. <laughs> Dirty Solidarity with Joyce and Canavan, I guess. Everyone has a podcast, <laughs> but not everyone has the brainworms to sustain it. Do you know, like, Obama's podcast <laughs> lasted for, like, six episodes with Bruce Springsteen? Like, and Bruce Springsteen doesn't even have, like, he has, like, this huge, like, barrage of people to protect him from talking to normal people. So, of course, he's only ever going to talk to Obama. But, like, mm-hmm. they only ever had six episodes. But do you remember what a big deal that was? It was so funny. That's the saddest <laughs> shit. This is the first I'm hearing of it. And just like, yeah, everyone has a podcast, but we are the ones who will get it to 100 episodes. <laughs> I'm honestly impressed and surprised we've done so well, considering bloody half of us have ADHD and the other half are undiagnosed. <laughs> <laughs> and all of us are just clamouring for an FM radio slot. And if anyone from FM is listening, I will knife all of these fuckers in the back to get that slot. I don't have to do the show with them. I will I will clamber over their corpses to just just to do the weather on FM yeah. if that's what you if that's what you're into. And I have enough solidarity that I want to see that happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just getting a knife in the back and shrugging. It's like he's ambitious. Yeah. Right or die. <laughs> Mitch, I'm j- I'm gonna let you do that because I know I'm gonna win because I'm the token chick. Remember? <laughs> of course, I'm gonna win. I'm very comfortable in my victory. <laughs> I'll take you with me, Evie. It's fine. And by that, I mean, please come with me. I need you for this. I need- <laughs> Aren't both of you already on FM radio? <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. I'm on what AM radio. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, but neither of us get to do car ads, and that's all I want to do. Is I just want to spruik a a Mitsubishi something or a Land Rover. Isn't that... All right, <laughs> listeners, if you're trying to sell your car, get in touch. We'll stick it in the actions next episode. <laughs> oh Holy fuck. No, for real. If you are just selling a car on Gumtree, get in touch with us in the shout outs. I will do an FM read of your car ad and it will sell within a week. Not guaranteed. <laughs> we will do Guarantee it. it just by buying it on day six. Yeah, <laughs> just boosting it ourselves. Fuck, 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 fuck. If you need the emergency pandemic stimulus, but you've got a car which is pushing you over the $10,000 liquid <laughs> assets <laughs> test, get in touch. God damn. Yeah, let's, Lang let's brings it back to way. politics. The Prime Minister's <laughs> oh, bad. Next God. segment. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a quick statistic that got released about fossil fuels is since the 2015 Paris Agreement, the G20 countries have dropped three trillion more dollars in subsidies to fossil fuels. That seems like a lot. That seems like a lot. It's an incomprehensible number. I don't even know how much that is. And they were already spending a shitload. Actually, subsidies have dropped by 2% a year. So it's still a vast quantity, but it was even more before. That's on average. Uh Uh-huh. Because some countries have done quite well, and some countries have done quite badly. Do you want to take a stab at which country has done the worst? <laughs> Brain. Um, um. <laughs> United Arab Emirates. Actually, uh, Saudi Arabia, um, and I'm not sure about the United Arab Emirates, but Saudi Arabia actually decreased their, their subsidies by 49%. Let me take okay. a stab, Lang. Uh, the country that just had, like, you know, tried to drill into the Great Australian Bight for funsies, <laughs> the one who wants to keep all the coal, um, the coal and um, mining sites open, even though the company's like, please, for the love of God, let us close us. <laughs> let um, me die. Let, let me guess, it's Australia. Uh, yeah. Could it be the country that is ideologically pro-climate crisis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the country which is ranked the worst for climate action. It is Australia, the fossil fuel sub. Um, uh, gold, gold medal, medal for us. Congrats to all our athletes. <laughs> In the last five years, Australia has increased our fossil fuel subsidies by 48%. <laughs> 
that is mind-boggling. Fucking 48%. And it was already too fucking much. And we're meant to be decreasing it. We've gone to climate change. Step on that gas. And second is the US. They've increased by 36%. But fucking Trump was in power, so we're surprised they're still alive. Oh, Biden will do it as well. Biden will probably oh, yeah. get up to 48. But maybe Australia's we'll is like the least surprising because Australia is just like trying everything they possibly can to kiss oh. the coal so much. Just just <laughs> smooching it all over. Yeah. Indonesia went up by 26%, France went up by 23%, and everyone else has held about even or gone down. Like, China went up by 4%, and it's fucking China. Yeah, we're spending a lot of money on fossil fuels. Fuck. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is this is a government that looks at, like, the floods in Germany and stuff and is like, it's working. <laughs> I pay attention to climate change. And the shit that has been happening in just the last couple of months is horrifying. Did you see those floods in Hong Kong? This is a comedy podcast. Yeah, floods in Hong Kong, yeah. floods in Germany. Oh, my God. People in subway cars with rising floodwaters. Horrifying shit. Terrifying. I saw this clip from Germany um, uh, where they just interviewed a woman who was talking about the floods. And she was like, you wouldn't think this would happen in Germany. You would think it would happen mm. in places like oh, China. Okay. I was like, oh. But <laughs> where really? I think she specifically <laughs> said poor country. Yeah. yeah. I think she... Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, she's speaking in German, so... What the fuck? A and problematic German? <laughs> but this is... No, this is the thing that, that hasn't hit home, is we all live in the same planet. We all yeah. live in the same climate. Like, rich countries have river systems. America, next couple of months, you're going to see some more shit in America, because that heat dome is not going away. Oh, yeah. In the group chat, I, I've vaguely floated the idea of I just want to get out of this dumb country because we're pretty dumb at the moment. And the, the minute mm. I get the chance, I would like to leave first to visit my family and then just like maybe mm. stay out forever. But also the primary thing on my agenda for thinking about places to go is somewhere that is not affected as severely by climate uh-huh. change, that list is getting vanishingly small. It, it's, well, the list is nowhere. There's it's, nowhere. It's, 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 yeah, good luck to you, Evie. We all live on the planet. We all live on the planet. It's, it's Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk and Evie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing that I've seen about um, the, like, COVID outbreaks in, like, New South Wales uh, versus Victoria. You know, the sort of, like, mm. interstate rivalry, that sort of thing that's sort of been heating up over the last couple of weeks. Mm. I've seen a few people deploying lines like, you know, oh, they were saying we're all in it together, but it's pretty clear that we're not, like, based on this sort of, like, bickering. Mm. And I'm like, no, we're still all in it together. Like, just just because yeah. we're not getting along within the all in it together space doesn't mean that we're somehow separate. We're all in it together and we're also arguing. Yeah, we're yeah. fighting. I saw the take, we're all in it together, but some are more all in it than others. Um, <laughs> which is like, you know, the Prime Minister has a vaccine and probably a holiday home in New Zealand. Like, he's not as in it as the rest of us. Oh, New Zealand will be affected eventually too. Like, I, I just think yeah. about how during the burnt noses of koalas bushfires um, when we started this podcast, um, mm. that was the, t- the first time I think a lot of us very comfortable middle-class people in the city realised when this goes down, nobody is getting away. It's all of us. Mm. There's, there's no air conditioning or anything like that that's going to get rid of it. We're all in here, so we all have to worry about it. And, yes, comedy podcast, but, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I, I didn't mean to derail us like this because Thanks, don't worry, Lang. there'll be plenty of opportunities to talk about this stuff in future. Oh, God, that's so dark. Yeah, and as the infrastructure <laughs> continues to crumble, there'll be much more derailments in future. So. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. We just, we've, we've, we've yep. <laughs> Not um, for me. I'm a, I ride a bicycle through the smoke. <laughs> hey, so- listener, you downloaded a climate comedy <laughs> podcast. What do you expect? We get grim. <laughs> So, so you might be wondering, but Lang, how's the reef doing? And I can tell you, officially, according to the World Heritage Foundation, it's doing fine. Oh, good. <laughs> Not in danger. Just like the OECD appointing Matthias Corman as the secretary, <laughs> you, le- you really learn something about, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the World Heritage Foundation has no credibility. Now, if you, if you ask any scientist uh, who, who knows anything about the reef, they'll start crying and screaming. But the World Heritage Foundation says it's fine. And that's definitely not due to the fact that Susan Lee bloody environment minister just got back from an eight-day round-the-world lobbying trip where she specifically took a 20-seater jet to Paris and back, Budapest, Madrid, Oman, the Maldives, meeting with 18 countries digitally and physically to convince them to say the reef was okay. Now, is that something a country with an okay reef would have to do? (laughs) I'm getting a lot of questions about my lobbying efforts that I feel are being answered by the lobbying effort. (laughs) I just have this picture in my head of her just like, I I know it clearly doesn't look like this, but I just have this picture in my head of her taking her rinky-dink little plane and just going around door to door saying, we're we're just agreeing that the reef is okay, right? Right? Good. Good. Wink, hands over briefcase. (laughs) Hat in hand with a woo-woo eyes by please, the lobby. Forget just- briefcase slang. It's just a giant sack with a dollar sign on it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like I really can't, yeah, avoid noticing that she hasn't gone on this big lobbying trip to make sure that they also agree that the Simpson Desert is still dry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to point out that this it was pushed back from having the in danger label placed on it mm. to 2023, which is past the next election. I am convinced this is just fucking spin for an election oh, yeah. campaign. They want to just I avoid mean, that. They do not give a shit about oh, yeah. anything else. They just do not want to have to deal with, oh, like Labor limply going, under you, the Great Barrier Reef is in danger. And you don't want the grief to be in danger. That They just want to avoid that. So they put the environment minister on a fucking private jet and flew her around the fucking world for eight days. Purely to push, the, to kick that can barely down a house, let alone the street. Two years, just what, that. What is Don't the worry point of kicking it further down the road? An election. But, like, even an election, like, it's not going to be any, like, it, it doesn't change its status magically after the election date. But it changes the spin and they do not give a shit. They do not care. They'll deal with that next time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. The spin is also crazy. It's breaking my brain. Anastasia Palaszczuk tweeted, uh, following the, the, the news that the, the Heritage Foundation decided not to listen. It's welcome news that the Great Barrier Reef will not be added to UNESCO's World Heritage in danger list this year. No one wants to see the reef listed as in danger. It's like, well, except for the people who think that it is in danger. Yeah, you don't want to see it lifted. But here's the thing. She tweeted that with a big image of a turtle swimming across some coral and it says, protect our reef. What the fuck? From what, Anastasia? Protected from what? It's not in danger. Um, so the in danger Fuck. listing is kind of like, yeah, it's an alarm. And it'd be like saying, 
Thank goodness next door's fire alarm stopped working. Now we don't have to worry. The house is still on fire, guys. You just can't hear it anymore. Guys, I've disconnected it. No worries. The fire engines will stop turning up. We can all sleep easy. Jesus. I'm just generally, like, there's lots of reasons to know and believe that the UN is not worth anything, but it is genuinely interesting to like to get an idea of what people think UNESCO could possibly do about this situation and haven't done like what could they do well well here's the thing and I, I did a little background reading in this and this isn't actually the first time this has happened uh, UNESCO first tried to list the reef as in danger in 2014 uh, when the Australian government successfully fought to to remove that listing um, and they've been fighting it ever since you shouldn't get to fight it yeah UNESCO has well I mean UNESCO has a lot of parts and it's all politics. It's like the UN. It's just a bunch of, of politicians and diplomats and other associated advisors hanging out. Yeah. Saying, Oh, but if you say, you know, Stonehenge is fine. We'll give you some foreign aid or whatever they're doing. Um, the, the part of UNESCO that says the reef is in danger is different from the part that said is different from the World Heritage Committee that said it's not in danger. So the part that says it's in danger is the part with the experts who are still going, no, the science says it's bad, you're crazy. The part that is the World Heritage uh, Committee is a small group of countries that rotates every four to six years um, that is entirely staffed with diplomats um, who've said, ah, we'll send out the expert part to have another look. Um, So the 21 countries currently deciding the World Heritage Committee uh, Australia, Bahrain, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Brazil, China, Egypt, Ethiopia, Guatemala, Hungary, Kyrgyzstan, Mali, Nigeria, Norway, Oman, Russia, St. Kitts and Nevis, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, Spain, Thailand and Uganda. That's the whole list. They said, uh, sure, I guess the barrier <laughs> is fine. I get the feeling most of them aren't paying attention to Australia because there's other shit going on. Um, and so we've heard stuff like... The representative from Ethiopia said, We appreciate the efforts of the Australian government with regards to its policies to promote green energy and mitigate the effects of climate change. So they might be thinking about Austria. Um, (laughs) Susan Lee rocking up just coincidentally with Austrian looking flags on it. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. (laughs) (laughs) The representative of Hungary said, Australia is already playing a constructive role in the actions to address climate change at the global level. So they've clearly not been paying attention either. Both of those responses have been written by an AI. Or they're just, you know, part of the sort of fascist apparatus of Hungary. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, Victor Orban, <laughs> he might he might know about Australia a little bit more with Scott Morrison, but like both of those responses are nothing. They're written yeah, by they're AIs. Not- That's just nothing. I feel yeah. like these guys don't really aren't up on the barrier reef stuff. I think I think so. In, in any case, you know what's really funny to me about this entire thing that Australia is fighting so hard to stop mm. this listing. It's not like Australia doesn't pay t- attention to the UN. Every other time, every other time when we're like strung up for, you know, huge human rights abuses against refugees, we just go, I pretend I do not see it. Like every other time we're just happy ignoring it. It's just politics. It's just spin. And of course, that is the thing the government cares the most about is it's just a label that says the reef is in danger. There's no other anything to it. It just says the reef is in danger. You've got to do something about it. We're keeping an eye on you. They did want it pushed back to 2023 when it would be reconsidered. 
Norway said, let's bring it forward another year. So they're going to have to actually take another look at it in 2022, which is just next year. <laughs> next so they, year. they went to all this effort and they're going to have to submit another report in February 2022. This is a real, like, what does it even mean to say that it's in danger sort of thing where they're just like... It's not in danger. I mean, obviously, things are very bad for the reef, and if you come back in 12 months, woof. But <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it's in danger. It's like how the government doesn't have a definition of poverty. They're entirely existing in the, in the school of, of bloody <laughs> high school debate. They don't have a definition of reef. They're no. just like, well, no, we will look at each individual piece of coral as it is presented to us, but this <laughs> idea of a reef doesn't serve any purposes for funding. <laughs> All of this coral's dead. We're just going to assume that we've just seen a sample of the dead part and there's an equally large sample that's alive. <laughs> Seems good. Here's one of my favourite bits, though, is that uh, Susan Lee had accused UNESCO of singling out Australia for the listing, saying clearly there was politics <laughs> behind it. And my favourite bit, she said there were scores of other reef sites that were also under threat from global heating. Yeah. You've got the biggest one. You've got this the is- great one. <laughs> and this is, I love, she's tried to use Australia's classic defence of, I'm a little baby. I'm on a small economy and I don't have much population. I'm totally just mad. It doesn't work when you're the biggest. <laughs> well, just the idea of like Susan Lee accusing UNESCO of singling out Australia for their policy on how to deal with Uluru and yeah. <laughs> laws around yeah. it. Yes, I- we are responsible, Lee. That's the fucking point. What about all the other koalas? But also, the the <laughs> fact that she's like, all the other people's reefs are in danger as well. Right? Yeah. So you can't say that ours is. It's like, no, we're just saying it's in danger. We're not saying that it's the only reef that it's in danger. <laughs> it's just, yeah, they're all in danger. Things are very bad. Let's start with the biggest one. Also, like, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that lead you to be like, hmm, all the reefs are in danger. Maybe we should do about our one that's in danger. No, 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 no. We just have to say that it's not in danger. Yeah. There are scores of other resites that are also under threat from global heating, which isn't real, and ours isn't one of those <laughs> reefs. If it was, but it isn't. <laughs> and it's not our fault. You know what else is going to be dead in uh, 2023 is the inner city of Brisbane. Uh, am I right? <laughs> 2023. <laughs> Two years from now. Yeah. <laughs> Brisbane Dad, burned to the ground. <clears throat> Go on. Nah, it's too yeah. it's too contrived now. You know, you know what else is going to be dead in in 2032 is mm. uh is Brisbane is no fuck <laughs> just the city. <laughs> it's too faked. It's too faked now. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know what else is going to be dead in 2032? The inner city of Brisbane. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea. We workshopped this like five times and it still sounds. Now everyone else have a go. Don't Mitch, tell Evie, and then we'll. Alrighty. <laughs> Hey, you know what else is going to be dead by 2032? Brisbane in a city. Boing, boing, boing. Am I right? <laughs> Thanks to our sponsors at Kia for killing the Brisbane in a city. Actually, I love that one. Yeah, so uh, Brisbane ran unopposed uh, to win the Olympic Games this week. Hey, congratulations to all our athletes. <laughs> to host the Olympic Games. The, the greatest part about that is they ran unopposed, but they still didn't win 100% of the votes. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> just five spiteful votes against them. Just again, just <laughs> the United Arab Emirates. No. <laughs> like nobody wants I'm- it. Nobody wants it, and they still voted no. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the thing of, of the, the, the people who voted no, which is the people who are like, oh, I've been to Brisbane and it's nice. Uh-huh. It'd be a real shame. Yeah. That- <laughs> you know. It's Anastasia Palaszczuk with a moustache. Um, I'm, I'm boggled by this. Is, is there normally more competition to host the Olympics? Well, well yeah. I mean, yeah. like Less and less each year less as and it less becomes each year. very apparent that it fucks the cities that it's in. Yeah. yeah, like so as we talked about in our last um, episode, uh, it is becoming increasingly clear even to quote-unquote normal people, like people like us who aren't like as, you know, obsessed with the ins and outs of what the Olympics means to host countries, um, it is becoming increasingly obvious that it just fucks them up. Uh, I think the most obvious one in recent years would have been Brazil, um, and it has been increasingly bad ever since. Um, it, it, like, it's not just Olympics, it's also the Commonwealth Games. Um, in fact, when Brisbane hosted the Commonwealth Games a few years ago, there were very strident protests in similar ways, like, you know, um, the the moving on of homeless people. Uh, in in Sydney, um, Jeremy Poxon posted this on Twitter and um, we posted, reposted it on our Twitter account. Uh, in Sydney, uh, the Sydney Olympics was in fact used as a work for the doll program. You had to do oh, your, your oh minimum amount God. of Olympics labour. <laughs> Oh my god, that's some just that's some Hunger Games shit. <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah it, it's becoming increasingly apparent that the Olympics are not wanted anymore in host mm. countries because there is no material benefit. There's no benefit through tourism. There's no like benefit coming through from um, the economy, um, and in it's fact, it leaves transfer. them worse off because there are sporting yeah. sites that are badly made that are just go unused. Um, mm. Like you know, and athletes and um, people in the villages also still have like a really bad time, you know, just from the bad infrastructure and just bad mm. running of events. It's just it's one of those things that spun up in a very short period of time, but is increasingly seen as something that is a detriment to each. It's a real company. property developer's dream. Yes. Yeah. There's a what was the 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 Wall Street Journal ran a story uh, a couple of days ago that was just the 2021 Olympics are turning into a 20 billion dollar bust for Japan. Host nation expected an economic windfall and global recognition, but amid the pandemic, a disgruntled populace just wants it all to go away. Awesome. <laughs> Obviously, the, the, the pandemic is, is making the Olympics an even worse, even dumber idea. Yeah. But it's it's not like, wow, suddenly the 2021 Olympics are the one that's a real bad one for the host country. It's like, no, this is this has been the case for yonks. Yeah. yeah. That just they, they come in, they build a bunch of shit infrastructure. Uh, they, they, you know, mess around with the local economy. It costs them huge amounts of money, way more than it brings in. And uh, everybody's sad. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is something that, did you know... Did you know that the, <laughs> ever since the two, like you know, the setup for the two thousand games, we've had an Australian Olympic Committee ever since. We've just had it, even though we haven't had Olympics, and the, the sole right. purpose of it is to manage um, approved like, you know- gas infrastructure. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Twiggy Forest on the board. <laughs> bet. I the the bet. purpose of the Australian Olympic Committee is to manage Olympic teams that go to other countries, but also to constantly lobby for Australia to keep getting the Olympics. Um, One of the people who's involved is also a member of the IOC, John Coates. And um, in the last couple of years, it's been uh, widely reported, um, his kind of behaviour within the IOC as well as the AOC. Um, Lots of really bad behaviour, lots of allegations about potential criminal activity as well. And no. he was on the stage with Anastasia Palaszczuk this week 
talking, like accepting the Olympic bid for Brisbane. And there was a clip where he seemed to condescend to her in a very bizarre fashion. So the context of what they're talking about is basically Brisbane winning the bid. And he says this really weird thing to her. He's like, do you know what that means? That means you're going to the Olympic Games. And it's like in a really bizarre explanatory tone. You are going to the opening ceremony. No, none of you are staying behind and hiding in your rooms, all right? So what? Are, so what? my understanding of the whole thing was Anastasia Palaszczuk was not going to go to the opening ceremony in Japan, the closing ceremony as well, and Coates was going, you will go to the opening ceremony and yeah. you will go to ones in future. So you will understand exactly the prestige of the uh, Olympics. Yeah, it's a weird condescending tone where he explains to her what he's going to do. Now... Outside of context, I saw that clip and I was like, okay, I know by end of day there's going to be lots of articles by outraged people that John Coates is mansplaining to the Premier of Queensland what she's going to do as the Premier of Queensland um, promoting the Olympic Games for Brisbane. However, it is an acceptance of the situation that she is in and that Brisbane is in in working with the AOC to get the Olympic bid that she and other people are going to be condescended to by the person who has the power. It is an acceptance of who has the power in this situation, and that is John mm. Coates. That is the AOC and the IOC basically so stringing shocked. around Brisbane, which is really fucked up when you think about it. Um, yeah. But they are the people with the money. But he's just like some dude in a non-profit, non-government-funded sports commission who's Bossing around the premier of a state in it's a fun. really overt way. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> it's almost like the structures of power don't follow the structures of democracy. Hey, <laughs> weird. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I don't know if you guys remember um, after the Olympics, there was this um, working dog series called The Hollow Men. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. also The Games. Both of them, really good series. I, I especially recommend The Games because that's like a really like a funny kind of thick of it view of like the administration behind the Olympic Games. But like mm. that's the kind of thing I'm talking about where it's very obvious that the power brokers who are involved are the people who are really pulling the strings as opposed to the politicians. And Anastasia has very little to do with the actual bid or the actual who considers what is good for Brisbane in bidding for the Olympic Games. Um, so or, like, or her, at any point ever. Oh, at any point <laughs> ever. <laughs> so her being condescended to is just part and parcel of her accepting who is the person with the power here. And, yes, it is misogynistic and John Coates is a huge dickhead, but it is a very minor part in, like, showing who mm. has the power. It's, it's, I'm just reminded of what you said, I think, last week, which is that the Olympic uh, organization is mostly just mafia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not literally yeah. mafia, but they're organized crime. Yeah. It's, it's just like one of those big sporting, like, federations, which has a large amount of lobbying money and power and, you know, alleged or explicit crime involved in terms of like <laughs> moving around who gets to have what. It's the IOC who disappeared Harold Holt. <laughs> <laughs> and Brisbane has just accepted, yeah, we're going to be part of that. So 
So five weeks into a lockdown of sorts, five weeks into confusing messaging around stay-at-home orders and vaccine rollouts and what's essential and not an essential worker, all being presided over by a state premier who is openly and greedily corrupt and not facing any consequences for it, would you guys be shocked to learn that New South Wales has had some fully cooked protests over the weekend specifically about a bunch of different weird random things that aren't actually specifically about anything? I would not. <laughs> I would not be surprised. I don't, but we're going to focus on the Sydney ones, but I do want to shout out uh, Brisbane, my hometown, 7,500 Gronks coming out and um, not opposing a lockdown that they're not in, <laughs> which is not fantastic. Let us roam the streets. Okay. They they don't have a lockdown and they had an anti-lockdown protest. Yep. They're saying that if they did lockdown, they would be sad about it. <laughs> yes. If there was a lockdown, you can expect them to protest like this. It was a, it was a preemptive protest, which, you know, I'm kind mm. of for. I kind of get the merit I mean, on that. I mean, sure. Yeah. I'm a bull But also, that. like, it's, win- it's winter in Brisbane. What else are you really going to do with your day? It's nice yeah, out. You can bored. wear shorts, head to the city. Yeah, go, to, go for a dip at South Bank afterwards. You don't have to wear a mask. <laughs> I mean, they're not in lockdown, so whatever. <laughs> But also, didn't they just very recently learn that their city would be destroyed by the AOC in 2022? Maybe you've got other things that you want to bring. Anyway, whatever. So so one thing I learned yesterday is that this has been planned as a a nationwide thing through Telegram and Facebook and that sort of thing for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Um, and it, like it's centered on Sydney, but it is it was planned for nationwide. So the fact that mm. Brisbane is involved is probably not a surprise. But yeah, no, it's a coordinated yeah. thing. Yeah, 100% coordinated by the cookedest of units from all across the country. And I mean, like, Melbourne did that thing as well that we usually do with protests in winter, where we had like a thousand people come out and sort of glumly being like, it's bad. Um, <laughs> but Sydney seems to be the flashpoint for a lot of the national discussion about this now, because they're also in the most intense lockdown, but also mm-hmm. cases are still in the hundreds each day and they don't seem to be coming down properly. And they're all out in the community. Yeah. And so, and so, part of the the protest makeup of people is complicated because there's just there are people that are organising it that are total shit cunts, just yeah, proper right wing conspiracy theorist, pra- like snake oil salesman preying on people in desperate situations. Another part of the protest is people in desperate situations because yes. the federal and state governments have not supported people through any is- of these statewide lockdowns each time. And so they mm. do not have stability in their jobs. They don't know how long they're going to be out of work. They don't know how they're going to pay for rent and food. And so they are desperate for someone to come along and go, hey, it's all good. I can look after you. And a snake oil salesman will be like, yeah, I can look after you. It's, 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 it's the Illuminati. <laughs> come on. So this mm. is the thing. This is what makes it different from last year. I, I feel like we need to emphasize this point over and over again. The reason why people don't are much, much more resistant to lockdown this time is because of two things. A, we have had vaccines for quite a few months now and it has been a shit fest of a rollout and at this point so many more people could have been vaccinated and we perhaps wouldn't have needed to lock down. The second thing... Yeah, it feels very avoidable. Yeah, it it feels like a situation that shouldn't have happened in the first place. The second thing is last year we had JobKeeper. 
And that is just not there anymore. There is like, there is emergency payments, but they are difficult to get. And the majority of people aren't eligible for it either. So the people who are still getting coronavirus in the community in Sydney are people who still have to go to work. It's happening in like, you know, mm. between all essential workers. Um, it's so yep. frustrating that I constantly see journalists going on about like, how are all these people in the community? Because they have to work for you, dickhead. Like they're the ones who are wo- yeah. operating your click and collect. They're the ones who are delivering your food. They're the ones who are working in factories. And if there's no job yeah. keeper, of course, all these pe- these companies are still going to keep on going because how else are you going to keep the gears of society going? If you're a conspiracy theorist on the street saying the government is trying to kill us, uh, I agree with you. I just don't agree with how they're trying to kill us. They're, they're trying to kill you because they're not giving you money and because they're not giving you rights and because they're running the country in a shitty well, way, but they're not trying to kill you with vaccines. So, yeah, it, it's it's completely unsurprising. Here's the other thing these conspiracy theorists keep missing, though. Or well, I suppose it's, it's more about like what the left miss in countering this sort of stuff mm. is that the ruling class don't really want to kill us. They, they, they hate us and despise us. They want to let you die. They will let us die. But without a vaccinated workforce, they do not get money. And so they do, even cynically, the approach you can take is like, yeah, they want you back working as soon as possible so things can go back to the way things were, which were already shit. Your problem isn't with this fake idea of mandatory vaccinations for the populace. And this this idea is, oh, they're, they're peddling a false narrative that COVID's like not real. It's just as bad as a normal cold. Mm. That's bullshit. But what is undeniable is that they fucking hate the arts sector. They fucking mm-hmm. hate universities. They want things to go back to the way they were, which is a state of all of the things that we appreciate as a fucking society of people interlinked isn't being undermined quick enough. They want to accelerate that work. And we are not counting the Labour Party, the Greens are not putting up a good enough uh, ideological opposition to that sort of shit. And so we're just leaving it open to these fucking gronks to push absolutely brain dead conspiracy theory bullshit. I mean, yeah, there's so many things feeding together um, and we have absolutely created uh, just the conditions for a melting pot of misinformation um, and and grifters, because right now, like, it's hard to make an honest living. And it's hard to not make an honest living. Um, there's, there's bloody no welfare support. And so being a grifter is what people in desperate situations often have to do. And also people in desperate situations are susceptible to grifters. The whole thing's fucked, especially when the government does this thing. And I, I said, especially when we've got this situation where we're not providing the real information. The government's doing this kind of weird hush hush. Oh, I don't really want to talk about the vaccines. I don't want to give a straight answer to anything. Maybe the grifters are correct. I'll let you make the decision. Yeah. This is parallel. Like grifters are in like grifters are in every industry. But I think a lot about how. This is directly parallel to how people who are in desperate health situations go to, you know, wellness gronks yeah. and do whatever they need to do mm, to feel better. Juice cleanse. The same thing cancer. applies here. Yeah, exactly. This is this protest is a juice cleanse for people who are trying <laughs> to get money. <laughs> they really just want someone to listen to how desperate their situation is. And I've historically not had a lot of time for um, anti-vaxxers or conspiracy theorists, but I understand how people get swallowed up by it because Mm. you're stuck at home, you don't have a job, no one's, like, the government's not giving you money, you can't go out to work. 
of course you're going to fall into the web of like someone who's telling you, yeah, I understand how bad you feel. Here is the explanation to your problems. I kind of feel like there's a parallel to like, uh, you know, like white supremacists and sort of neo-Nazi oh, groups. Absolutely. Obviously not saying that, like, obviously there's some, some crossover as well, but the, the sort of thing of like white supremacist groups grow by targeting vulnerable people and recruiting them mm. into their, you know, disgusting ideology. And it's this thing of like, the people who, uh, you know, are preyed upon in that sort of scenario uh, go sort of on the spectrum of, like, they're a vulnerable person and then they've been targeted by white supremacists and then they've been, you know, inundated with that ideology and then they become white supremacists and mm. they become something terrible. But that process that turns them into something horrible is a process that they're a victim of. Mm. And so it's the same thing with the lockdown protesters who are on one side, just a completely cooked group of lunatics who are, you know, posing a real and present danger considering that they, they, you know, refusing to follow the structures that will help suppress the outbreak. But on the other hand, they're a group of vulnerable people that have been preyed upon by sociopaths and my heart goes out to them. I do want to say as well, um, just on the other side of that coin though, the, the, some of the people at the protest were just dog shit idiots. Like, just fuckheads about it. Just the sure. worst type of people. And I do not want to try to, you know, not all mend the conversation. But, like, there are some people there that should know better. I know some of them. Can and you not just- mansplain to me for five seconds, Mitch? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I mean, though. I think, I think that, like, it, you can just hold those things you in can. your head at the same time quite comfortably. Yeah. Like, because uh, I'm explicitly extending this to white supremacists as well, mm. which is, like, you have been victimised by something terrible and that sucks for you. And at the same time, I hate you so much. <laughs> like, Dude. it's it's totally fine to for your heart to feel sympathy for somebody and hate them at the same time. It's, I, I just, it's totally okay. And it's it, I'm putting it out to both mm. groups there. It's a big thing at the moment. And it's something that we as a culture need to get much better at is this whole de-radicalization thing. Yeah. yeah. I saw a really good article yesterday, and I'll link it, um, about this which is based on on some theory about uh, con artists and grifters, because a lot of this is effectively a con. You've got these, you know, anti-vax people or white supremacist people running a con on vulnerable people, um, and they're obviously bad, and the people who are conned are victims, but then they buy into the con... um, but then at some point, and so so they're what, what's called a mark, and at some point that mark might realise that they've been conned, either when they get COVID or when they, some part of them realises, oh, actually, maybe this is bad, maybe I'm driving away my friends and family. But it's very hard once you've been suckered in, unless you're someone who's very, like, self-assured and able to, to admit that you're wrong, which you're unlikely to be if you're taken advantage of by this kind of thing. It's very hard to say, oh, yeah. Turns out I was wrong. COVID is real. Vaccines are real. Racism is bad. Because by that stage, you're in so deep. You've committed so much and you've staked your face on your beliefs. Yeah, you you spend so much time saying, oh, COVID isn't real, that when you get COVID, you, you kind of can't say COVID is real because then everyone's going to go, weren't you the guy that was saying blah, blah, blah? Yeah, so it, it's hard for anyone to to admit they're wrong in that kind of situation. And that's when you get, like, the people who are in the hospital beds and and even up to the point of death, they're saying, oh, no, it's not COVID because 
the theory is that losing your face, you, losing your social dignity is almost as bad as death yeah. to a person. Yeah. Uh, it is social death. And the only way you can bring someone out of this is called cooling the mark. It's, it's, or this is, this is what they're theorizing. The way to bring someone out of this is called cooling the mark. It's where you create an area of social safety for them to go, oh, okay, I have changed my mind. And that often relies on having other people they respect of high status saying, okay, actually, this is incorrect. It might be a high church person. It might be a sports person. It might be fucking Tucker Carlson in America saying, get a vaccine. Then if you're a right-wing you know, Fox News watching uh, someone who's been taken advantage can go, well, Tucker said the vaccine was okay. Maybe we can go with that. Um, right. But you can't reach them from the outside because they've already sort of staked their social face on this and they don't care what you have to say. Lang, I'm so glad that you mentioned, like, the people who, like, even on their deathbed realised, like, were, were, like, right up until the last moment until they were actually, like, close to death were like saying, oh, vaccines won't work, you know, I'm, I'm scared of the side effects. And then they ask the nurse on, while they're on the ventilator saying, well, I was wrong, can I have that now? And she has to tell them actually it's too If late. they even do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is, this, there are stories of people who died being like, it's not COVID, COVID's not real, this is a hoax, I'm fine. Yeah. And so you can simultaneously be a victim but also by not admitting that it's a con, even when you know it's a con, you allow that con to perpetuate and you become part of the problem as well. And solving that is really, really difficult. Well, then let's, uh, as esteemed people of the community, podcasters, <laughs> people listen to us, let's try, let's attempt to cool the mark um, for all of the, our listeners who are all at these rallies, um, you hoglets. Uh, <laughs> I take back what I said before about hating you, but I leave what I said before about loving you. <laughs> no, I mean, here's something- Not both, it's just the good one. <laughs> Here's something I do want to bring up about the Sydney protests in particular. By the time you hear this, you have probably seen the footage of the man punching a horse. Man punches police horse at Sydney protest. Man in yellow sing that with free speech on it, like sucker punches a police horse, blah, blah, blah. And this is a spicy take zone only. So feel free to skip ahead to the actions and shoutouts <laughs> if you don't like spice. Um... I there's there is footage out there. We'll put it in the show notes that the guy in question didn't punch the horse. He very limply pushed a horse's head away from him as it was coming towards him with admittedly a closed fist and from one angle it very much does look like he was mid punch. There is also footage available of the Imark protest where police horses broke the legs of a protester and someone is quite clearly knocking a horse's head out of the way. This is because horses are fucking weapons of war yes. that the police are <laughs> yeah. deploying against people. And I am so fucking sick already, not even 24 hours after this protest, seeing all the fucking liberal wank about loving fucking Snooky Wookums the police horse and hoping he's okay. And how so dare this guy <laughs> fucking assault, a, assault an officer, an equine officer. And just yeah. this sniveling, bootlicking, pro-cop bullshit that was definitely not employed at any other fucking protest. So you really do need to think, when you hear a story about man punching a horse and all 
the me- the mainstream media is on board with that straight away and the police Twitter accounts are tweeting about it straight away. Just stop for a half fucking second and think maybe it will be copaganda like you already say is already being deployed against people. It's just that in this instance, it's being deployed against a fucking gronk, which as McLean said, you can still love deeply. <laughs> I just I just want to say when the people are like, oh, you, you, you can't punch a horse, you know, like throw the book at this guy. It's like, what have you got to say about the Melbourne Cup, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, now we care about the horse's well-being. Yeah, there's two things with this. Like, okay, I am an, as even as someone who's very online and who tweets a lot, I am a big advocate for just taking like one second to like not Punch tweet. Punch a fucking horse out. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just wait. The requisite 24 hours until the real story comes out, which it always does. Um, it, it is every in every instance in which a story like this has happened, it, the real story emerges quite quickly as people have corroborating evidence and the picture is made clearer. Resist making a take until you know <clears throat> the full picture. Yeah. Record on a Sunday, publish on a Wednesday. <laughs> Straightforward <laughs> principle. <laughs> the second thing is, like as Mitch said, so much of first response is cop response and they will always be willing to go out to make their statement clear as quickly as possible. You should judge it on that basis. Yeah, if your if your hot take instantly aligns with the fucking police, it's just like if your climate take instantly aligns with Andrew Bolt and the Liberal Party. Just stop for a second and go, hmm, actually, this might be wrong. Allow yourself as a mark to cool off and have a space to go, maybe I've been suckered in by a police Twitter account. Yeah, am I giving the benefit of the doubt to the police state apparatus? Yeah, don't um, do that. Yeah. I just think that this is important to bring up because, again, in the effort of cooling the mark, I'm, I'm just saying that a lot now because you mentioned it, like, like I've always known it. Never heard of it before we started recording. But, <laughs> the, but it is important to bring up and from, you know, we're leftist propaganda, fucking openly people but it respect is, us it, proudly it is it is it is important to bring this shit up just because a big problem at the moment is this idea of you know fake news and the mainstream media being sensationalist and only providing one side of the story but that's also always been the fucking problem the hippies were talking about it in the 60s david suzuki in the 70s ad busters through the 90s with their fucking cringe magazine which i fucking loved so good it is <laughs> yes. always the case that the media will just present some shit that is sensationalist and try to get everyone on side. But the issue is that these conspiracy theorists and these people at the protest and the desperate people and the fuckheads and the people we should love, all of those people can also just see this footage with their own eyes and go, oh, he didn't he didn't punch a horse. And so then when you see fucking Tracy Spicer being like, he punched a damn horse, he should go to jail. That feeds into the narrative that they are left adrift with no one to support them and no one to help them and, and, and show them the truth of the situation, which just leaves them open to more of these fucking con artists. It's really important to push back against this shit, especially because you have so many other things to be angry about that gronk in the singlet at the fucking protest. Yeah. Yeah. We, we attach so much to these ideas of, well, this one thing happened, so I have to support that one thing because, or, or, or fight against that one thing because if I don't, then I'm giving tacit approval to everything else. And that's absolutely not the case. The same thing happened with Trump at his rallies where he would, he would say shit like, 
I want you to fucking kill a journalist and just assault them and I'll get you off the cop charges. And people are like, that's an outrage. And then they would take something out of context that he said and said, oh, he's making fun of someone. And when the evidence came out that he wasn't, again, from the left side lane, people would just double down on being proven wrong instead of just going, oh yeah, no, the, the first thing I saw seemed bad, but it now wasn't. Can we get back to the actual important things so we don't double down on what the right wing gronks already say about us? Super important. I also think there's like a really a thread here that people are starting to come to terms with and realize, which is that it it's, and this is a really bizarre thing that I've had to come to terms with too, is that journalists in Australia and perhaps in the US and perhaps in other places too, a lot of them really just want to be the hero of the story and <laughs> yeah. they oddly want bad things to happen. It's They, they want something, a, a controversy to emerge that they can breathlessly report on. Uh, the, the reason why I bring this um, up yeah. is because today – in fact, just an hour before we started recording, Emma Alberici uh, decided to tweet this, and I'm going to quote it verbatim. Reporters being attacked at the protest yesterday. Everyone, including police, was attacked at the Black Lives Matter protest and at the Women's <laughs> March. Why is it more outrageous this time, eyeglass emoji? Don't be left or right, just be consistent. What that- the fuck are you talking about? That's literally not a thing that happened. That's not a thing that happened. Yeah. Nobody was attacked at the Black Lives Matter protest or the Women's March. In fact, there was no violence by protesters at either march. There was violence by cops towards people at the Black Lives Matter march. Now, now Emma Abouichi did post a follow-up tweet to this in response to some of the criticism that she received <laughs> for the fact that nobody was attacked at the BLM uh, but, uh, she says, attacked doesn't have to be violence. Words can wound people <laughs> oh, before you troll. <laughs> Mate, were you talking about people saying mean things about reporters at the lockdown protests and comparing that to BLM? Or are you just openly admitting to drawing a pretty fucking false equivalent oh my between God, people someone- actually being attacked and somebody being like, I don't think that the reporters have our best interests at heart when it comes to uh, deaths in custody. Oh. Like, f- fucking, what do you fuck? Oh. Someone cool off Emma Alberici has been taken. <laughs> Fuck me dead. The, I, I, this is a... Mm. We have a problem with progressives and the left, and I've said it before, and we're all in agreement to some sort of degree. Yes, we need to give more empathy and sympathy to people than we did in the 50s, but for fuck's sake, some people need to harden up, and these people that need to harden up are the ones not even on the fucking front lines of these things. They're tweeting. They're ex-journalists tweeting about shit, and then just doubling down on shit, and for fuck's sake, grow a spine about this shit. It's (laughs) not a spine, though. It's not a spine. And we love you. So, Emeril Barici is an ex-ABC reporter she works for that stupid meerkat site now what's it called um compares home loans or something i don't know who gives a shit um but (laughs) melbournezoo.com oh i know that (laughs) i know it's the ads where there's a meerkat in a in a smoking yes that's the one yeah Yeah. oh yeah so like even her position as a public commentator is pretty much like what do i care about what you have to say about reporters being attacked you're not a reporter anymore you're not anyone who you're you're making up something that has happened and for what for what? Yeah. Like, w- why do you want people to, like, be, like, tell you that – why do you want to be, uh, like, constantly ratioed or have t- people tell you you're wrong? Like, do you respond to negative attention? I think people just spend too much time online. I don't think she made it up. I, I think that she made that original tweet from a place of just genuinely having sort of calcified a belief in her brain that 
people were attacked, the journalists were attacked at the BLM protest. And then she's justifying it. Oh, so she's she's made up a guy to be mad at in her head. Well, she can't lose face now. I, I think that she's just like bought the narrative that sort of any protest is necessarily violent. Just by virtue of nature being a protest. Because, you know, that's the thing that goes down all the time. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, it was a, the, the thing of, you know, oh, there's going to be a, a big COVID spread risk in that BLM protest. There were no, you know, cases of spread at that protest, but... For, for for weeks afterwards, we, we had reports of like, you know, oh, and of course, you know, the, the COVID spread at the BLM rally was pretty dangerous as well. It was like, well, that, you're talking about a thing that didn't happen. And the response is like, oh, but it could have happened. No, I, I literally have never heard about a, a, a police especially or anyone being attacked at the Australian Black Lives Matter protest, but especially the Women's March. Yeah, the Women's March was like notoriously so peaceful that people yeah, were like, like why the- aren't they doing anything? That like it was considered toothless. The COVID stuff was front page news. Yeah, I think that the media narrative of violence at protests is strong enough that people in the media are buying it for themselves. I think that she's just somebody who's taken her own medicine. You reckon it's just like <sighs> okay. it's just this thing of like Pro- violent protest, violent protest, violent protest, violent protest just builds up in people's minds to then when they see protest, they just think violence. And so, yeah. They're already writing a headline, clashes between police and protesters. Yeah, yeah, But yeah, the yeah. women's march, I mean, yeah. You, might, yeah, you might be right. That's- I think the fact that the women's march is in there is evidence that she has just assumed that there's violence at any protest. It's a protest. Of course there's violence. Yeah. But just, but just the idea of like, yeah, in her mind, there's, you know, Brittany Higgins gave a speech and then punched a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would watch that. Not even a police horse. Is there some MP that looks a bit like a horse that we disagree with and make a joke about this something there? Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say as well, in terms of fucking growing up as well, horses were used by the Mongols to conquer the world because they could take a punch. Can we stop with this copaganda of like, it's okay, this creature of war that we deployed against people is okay after a single punch. Like, I would fucking hope so. You were riding it into people to damage them. You wouldn't ride something that just crumbles like glass. This ah, fuck the whole I thing. Think, I think that horse is being mistreated, but only by the police. They put yes! that horse in there. Like, if I bring my dog to a protest and someone accidentally steps on it, like, that's my fault. I should have left my dog at home. If the cops care so much about their horses, leave them somewhere safe. Don't fuck bring me. them to a fucking anti- Lockdown protest. Well, here's the. Th- I, I reckon you're allowed to bring a dog to a protest, though, because uh, protests are not inherently violent situations. Yeah. I think that you've just got to be careful <laughs> if you're bringing a dog to a protest that you know will have a heavy police presence there, mm. because those police will initiate violence, because yeah. that is what they attend the protest. I'm to responsible do. for my dog. Also, like, it, it is the dichotomy that you mentioned before of like, oh yes, the horse is so fragile. Okay, so horses are not fragile enough to uh, race in the Melbourne Cup, but they're definitely fragile enough to be brought into a protest um, where they could, in in the cops' view, be facing violence. Yeah. I would simply not bring a fragile horse into that environment, but I'm just built different, though. It's, it, <laughs> it's driving me insane because literally everything around the fake punch is worth screaming about. Defund the police. If we can't defund the police, get rid of the horse police. Like, don't bring sentient animals to that sort of shit. Don't be at that lockdown. Don't be a fucking free speech gronk. Don't be <laughs> suckered into bullshit. Like, all of it is fucking deranged, but this one thing is now like... Man, punch horse bad so mitch i just this is not policing your language by the way i don't want to female explain anything to you but (laughs) um there one thing that um i have tried to stop doing 
uh, and what something you said before just reminded me of it. When things make you feel insane and you think, I feel like I'm going crazy when I read this thing that is obviously not true, just resist the urge to even think that because it is, I think it's, it's something that I feel is like constantly increasing in left discourse and just the way in which we talk about things that are happening in current affairs. I know it can make you feel crazy, but also you shouldn't say as much. You should be able to say, I know this is not true. What you are saying is mm. not true. I'm not mm. crazy. What you're saying is mental and I'm telling you that you're wrong. Yeah, I'm just being lied to. That's actually a very good point. Yeah. What you're saying is crazy and it's making me fucking infuriated and yes, angry. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. It's just something I've been thinking about a lot because I, I know it's a popular trope to like sort of see something said by a gronk like Emma or like any, like any right-wing person even and say, oh, I feel like I'm going mad. But- it, you're not mad. You're seeing someone yeah. who's saying something for their own benefit. It's like Albo talking about like different kinds of vaccines as if we're at a buffet. Like, I'm not going crazy. What you're saying is wrong. I really yeah. like that. Yeah, Evie. I like that. And and that's something that I, I see people doing a lot. Even a lot of people who are on the right side of things feel the need to anchor their statements to like the kind of conservative worldview it's like where you see people go climate change is a real problem now obviously we know that we shouldn't associate any one event to climate change and no where did you get that from that Ugh. is a right-wing talking point feel free to fucking associate any heat wave to climate change go crazy with that <laughs> yeah that fucking absolutely sent me into the stratosphere today was listening to the guardians podcast which is you know pretty good and and they the whole episode was supposed to be about you know climate change and what we can do and how we can get through it both like actually but also emotionally blah 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 and they, were, they went through all of the things that we talked about at the top of the show about all of the floods all of the heat waves all of the forest fires and all that sort of shit and um lenore taylor was journalist there going oh there's all these bad things now we do have to be careful to not attribute one single event to climate change or global warming. It's like, mm. you absolutely fucking can. How, what do you think one single event directly tied to climate change will fucking look like? That is what it is. We're fucking in it. Yeah, they all are. <laughs> it's this thing of feel free to just say the truth, even if that's not what people usually say. And and we've gotten used to doing that a lot more. It's, it's like, oh... The government's trying to kill us. Oh, they're wildly irresponsible and corrupt. We just say that now. We don't say, a lot of people think the government's okay, but actually I'm starting to think that they're... No, we just say, they're obviously corrupt. We say, police are using horses as a weapon. Yeah, crazy both sides-ism. Yeah. I think it's also the side of, like, whether it feels crazy to behold that, mm. where... The thing of like you know the 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 way that the the government has, has fucked up the response to you know the the climate crisis, but also the pandemic and that sort of thing. Where the thing that makes you feel crazy is looking at society and being like, mm. I really thought that when there's a problem, the structures that are designed mm. to solve or address that problem would do it, and mm. they haven't. And yeah. it seems like people don't care about even existential threats, and that makes you feel crazy. But you're not crazy. You just were wrong about that. There's nothing that guarantees that people will respond to the problems that mm. will destroy them. Yeah. That's just not a safe assumption ever. And also you don't have to fall into the trap that The Guardian once again often falls into, which is ascribing certain motives um, that are actually good to or genius to the way that people behave. Mm. Like I know that um, yeah. Catherine Murphy mm. loves to do that about Scott <sighs> Morrison, just claiming that he has some sort of 
you know, 5D chess that he loves to play. play. And it's like, no, he's doing it because he knows he can do it. He knows he can get away with it. Yeah, he's not appearing yeah. on media for like three or five days at a time because he knows he can just do it. And what does it matter to even call it out? Yeah. Yeah. He's not deploying the Engadine Dean Macca's, like, counterplay in order to <laughs> preempt, you know, Labor's election strategy. No, he's making shit up. He has no idea what he's doing. Yeah, and he's up. an idiot. Um, yeah, it's it's Overton window stuff. And But the more people around you that say the truth, and if you just hear one person say something without the caveats, without saying, oh, I know, you just just saying, here's what I think and here's the truth, you can go, oh, Oh, we can just say that. Oh, we don't have to do the little conservative. Now, obviously, we need fossil fuels. Oh, obviously, there are different opinions on vaccines. Just say the thing. I, I feel like it would be very empowering if, you know, we see things like this and you see bad faith actors or even just people trying to, you know, wedge in a centrist point and not feel that immediate think of, am I going crazy? I feel like I'm going insane. I'm begging people to act in this way that is actually correct and just say, no, what you're saying is wrong. It's a lie. And I know that what you're saying is a lie. Yeah. I mean, it can be tricky. That that might not always work, yeah. but, but you can survive any defo suit. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, shout out to the staff at Better Red Than Dead, which is a uh, bookshop that we spoke about a, a few episodes ago, who are, you know, in a, in a nascent organizing union phase. Um, so we, we shouted them out a little while ago, and they've had a, a major development in their struggle, which is that the uh, bosses of their uh, work have locked them out. They, they, they were just like, you will not unionize, Dumb not pants. on my watch. Uh, and uh, so, so things are getting feisty. Mm-hmm. Over at the Better Red Than Dead space, uh, but they're being supported by Rafwu, and they're trying to get a strike fund together. So uh, basically, one thing that you can do, just a, a you know little bit of uh, chipping in to help out, is uh, go and donate to their strike fund. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But that will help those workers, uh, you know, get through that lockout and hopefully flex their you know power that they have uh, standing together. And hopefully get some better pay and conditions. Yeah, they're they're, they're trying to raise twenty thousand dollars. They're currently at eighteen thousand. So keep on donating to them. It will help pay their costs and as well as their legal costs as well. An interesting thing here is apparently this is the first industrial action in the retail industry that's not in the meat area in mm-hmm. fifty years. That's yep. Both amazing and incredibly depressing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this is this is yet again more proof that the uh, union leadership in a lot of these more um, stable <laughs> industries is fucking useless and it does take the rank and file to get shit done. But God mm. damn it, when the rank and file get together, shit gets done. Shit so gets also done. big shout out to Rafu as well, because they are essentially just a new union with rank and file members fucking pushing hard for it and they kick ass. So mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Hell yeah. Where's the SDA here? Oh, nowhere. <laughs> uh, another shout out to myself. Uh, as some of <laughs> Yeah, go me. Um as some of you may know, I'm not sure how many people know. I've maybe mentioned it before. I don't know. I'm not very good at self-promotion. I also do a 3CR Tuesday breakfast, which is uh, 3CR is our community radio here in Melbourne. Every morning they have a breakfast show, which is like news, current affairs from like an alternative angle. Uh, on Tuesdays we try to make it as uh, 
smaller minority communities, female-oriented, non-binary and queer news as well. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to Dr. Susie Allenson and Lizzie O'Shea. They both have a book coming out called Empowering Women, which was just released this week. Uh, it's about the abortion struggle in Australia, as well as uh, fighting against anti-abortion activists. There's a lot of really interesting things that have happened in the last 10 to 20 years. We've even had a death. I'm not sure how many people even know that um, from someone who has died defending abortion clinics. Um, wow. So it's, no it's yeah, it's really interesting history. I think it's something that's really not been recorded very well other than by Susie herself. Um, and I had a really fantastic interview with Dr. Susie and Lizzie. So I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's a really wide-ranging interview. I encourage you to listen to that and also read the book. Cool. Awesome. Sick. Um, actions this week, get the vaccine. Get a vaccine. If you yep. can at all get any vaccine, get a vaccine. Now, um, I know we're saying this in terms of like it's easy for people to get a vaccine. I know it's not. Um, there is a website it called hotdoc.com.au, which has Oh, no, Evie, you can't. Oh. What? <laughs> I just hotdoc.com.au sounds like a real fucking sketchy website. Uh, hot dogs uh, in your area wanting you to get vaccinated. Sketchy, but it's actually the correct <laughs> website. It is. It is. Okay. It's like a, it's like a dating so, we, site for single yeah. hot dogs. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so go hot on do- a date with a doctor, you get access to a vaccine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so hotdoc.com.au has an option where you can search for COVID vaccines, in hot COVID vaccines in your area. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they should advertise it on fucking porn sites, but instead of it just being single horny MILFs in your area. Yeah, they should advertise it fucking anywhere. Like, it's just like, advertise it on Tinder. Like, um, yeah. But yeah, so I know it's difficult and I've been hearing reports is especially difficult in New South Wales, which mm. you would think it would be easier considering they're undergoing an outbreak uh, right now. I think that the, the the sort of the framing of it is like get vaccinated in parentheses. This will quite possibly require a fight from you. Yes. Yeah. So this is the point I wanted to make. A friend of mine who is chronically ill uh, said this is the first time, it feels to me, that a lot of well people are realising how much work it actually takes to get through to a GP who listens to you. You have to try quite a few times. And I know I've been a bit of a bully about like trying to get people vaccinated, but it works Try a few times, like try as many clinics as you can, try through the websites, try calling. It will probably take some time if you don't live in a metropolitan area that has readily available vaccines to under 40s. Yeah. You should still try. I put it off for a little while because I hate logistics and I was like, I'm not even sure if I'm eligible. I don't know how to get it. This sounds like a hassle. And eventually, Evie bullied me into it a bit, and there was more peer <laughs> pressure. And I, I was lucky. I looked up on Hot Doc. There was a clinic near me that was just doing vaccines, basically walk in. I basically walked in two days later, got a vaccine. So easy. Um, and and a lot of the advice is like, talk to your GP if you're under 40. I mean, yeah, if you've got a GP, some GPs apparently like, oh, no, I don't want to give anyone the AstraZeneca Fucking bully them. Tell your GP, yeah. I really, really want it. Actions this week. Bully someone. You, you are eligible. It's not talk to your GP. It's demand the yeah. vaccine from your GP. The only people who shouldn't be getting the AstraZeneca vaccine are people who actually have a reason they think it might be especially bad for them. If you're just like, oh, yeah. one in a million, oh, I don't like the odds of that. Like, 
we're in a situation where there's COVID out and about. Um, the information that we've been running on for a while has been wildly misleading because the original, the original Atagi recommendation was that AstraZeneca is not the preferred vaccine. Um, and in a situation where there's no COVID, uh, a young person might be better off putting it off. That's obviously not a situation that exists. You can't get Pfizer and there's fucking COVID everywhere because we live on planet Earth and it's not going away. And they've just come out to be like, to be clear, in Sydney right now, goddamn, any vaccine would be better than, than no vaccine. <laughs> Fuck me! Atagi's official stance. There's two things to remember here. Anyone yeah. who tries to make a political point of a brand of vaccine is unconscionably bad. Yes. Do not listen to yeah. that. It, all of these vaccines have worked to great effect to stem outbreaks all over the world. The, the, They're all incredibly safe. Yeah. And yeah if you're a risk-averse person, get the fucking vaccine. It's by <laughs> far the least risky option. Yeah. Yeah, and the second thing is the, the risk that has been talked about in the press has constantly been overstated. You need to understand yeah. and like what the, the levels of risk are. There's actually a really good article in The Age that I'll also put a link into the show notes. And mm. it is the ultimate act of solidarity Think about your sick friends who you don't want to get COVID. Think about your partners who you don't want to get COVID. Go and get a fucking vaccine. Yeah. And be prepared to put in some effort to do that as well. If you're, yeah. oh, it's hard. I gave up. Nah. <laughs> not, not good enough. Not good enough now. <laughs> he said the name of the show. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Not Good Enough. If you think we're a five-star podcast, let iTunes know and rate us and review us and then share us far and wide with all of your friends and family. Word of mouth actually works really well for us, but definitely, you know, share, uh, retweet the clip when we put it up each week on Twitter. Share us across social media. We'd appreciate it. And if you want to get in touch with us, shoot us a message on the socials. We're at NotGoodPod everywhere, or you can email us as well, NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com. Yeah, we'd be nothing without word of mouth. We would be a few stings and uh, an hour and a half of silence. <laughs> McLean. McLean. Bye. Not Good Enough was recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders and sovereignty was never ceded.